Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 123 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on with you this week? Uh, nice rainy day on my day off, so I get to chill, stay inside, low-key. Um, training's been good with soccer and that. Um, yeah, nothing really much. I can't really say too much. Um, I will say... Last week's predictions, we got an all-time best now. Let's go. Uh, the new record. I I went five and five again, so consistency there. And then Evan, congrats. He's he went nine and one. So. Oh, one away from the coveted ten and zero. Yeah the the Aston Villa game was uh, the one that threw you off, but everything else was was dead on. Unlucky. Wow. So that 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 really helps because last week had a good record too. I got to be really close to 500 now. Yeah, you're you're 131 and 136. So All right, I'm 5 off. Another positive week and you'll be positive probably for the first time since like week 3 or something. Yeah, I'm hoping we can get there towards the very end. That's two good weeks in a row and you know what my bet slips wouldn't tell you that because whatever I, this happens I think with you too but Whatever I pick on the show, I I won't put in a bet slip. Like I did win, yeah. I did win like a couple hundred bucks this weekend, but it all went away the next day when I bet on like I had City and United to draw, even though I knew City would come out and smoke them. Same yeah. thing with Tottenham and Everton. Like I didn't, you know, I thought Tottenham would win, but I didn't think they'd come out and win five nothing. So, you know, it, it's tough, but I guess you have to take your wins where you can get them, right? Yeah, I think this was one of those weeks where where uh, most of the favorites won yeah. in these games. Like you, we were saying, there were no draws, so that helped. There was a couple of them that, like, um, second halves kind of changed shift in that Brighton game. Brighton started coming back after Newcastle, good start. And yeah. Arsenal had a couple slip-ups there, letting Watford get back into the game, so that was kind of sus. But every other game was pretty pretty much done from the first touch of the game. Yeah, so let's go ahead and, and jump into some of these games. There was a couple really entertaining watches, uh, like Matt said, some high-scoring affairs. We had, you know, two four nils, a 4-1, a 5 nil. There was five goals in the Watford-Arsenal game, uh, and there was some really good football played this weekend. So uh, we'll go ahead and jump into Leicester City versus Leeds United. Leicester take all three at the King Power on a Harvey Parnes goal in the 67th minute. This one was close. This one was a much better performance from Leeds. Uh, Jesse Marsh obviously having an effect on them. There was some comments uh, at full time when he had the team kind of circle up and, uh, you know, all kind of embrace each other. And, and I think it's really just to instill a sense of community. Uh, the pundits didn't seem to like it. Uh, you know, I just think that there's a... Uh, level of distaste for American coaches. There, there certainly is. Uh, I mean, look at, at what they've had to say about Chris Armas. He, he's not really doing all that much, but um, there's a disdain for, for American coaches and not so much American players anymore. Uh, I think I think Pulisic has helped uh, you know break that barrier down a little bit. But I thought this was a, a much better performance from Leeds. You know, no more Bielsa, no more Bucket. Uh, their, their, their style of play was, was much more controlled. I would say we're not doing the man marking anymore. They defended a little bit better as a team. And I think Leeds, um, you know, this, this starts the uptrend. You don't want to lose, uh, one nail. You don't want to not take a point from this one against Leicester. who have been, you know, vulnerable in recent weeks, I'd say. Um, but I, I just think that after hemorrhaging, you know, 17 or 18 goals in their last four fixtures before this, uh, that a one nil defeat is an improvement, and I know that's maybe not the way some would look at it, but I thought Leeds played better here. Uh, Lester looked good. Vardy obviously back in here. He uh, he got the start subbed off late on for for Kalecci, but uh, I thought Lester looked okay um, health wise. You know they're still not at at full strength, but this was a, a decent performance and a good goal from Barnes. Yeah, I think Leicester's starting to turn up now. That's two in a row. The first time I think they've done it in a while now. Um, they're using those games in hand wisely now, and they're beating competition they should be. But yeah, like you said, I think Leeds definitely 
should take some positives out of this when it comes to their defensive shape and the structure. They played more of like a 4-2-3-1 with those holding mids. Um, no man marking, which is always going to be a positive, and it showed. Um, and even with this structure now, they can build from it with, with guys like Calvin Phillips and uh, Patrick Banford coming back soon. Their health is getting better and better. And realistically, I mean, it couldn't have worked out better because every other team below them all lost as well. And even they had bad beats, too. They all lost by multiple goals, um, bar Watford, but they still gave up three goals. So uh, it's pretty much like nothing happened in the in the relegation battle. Everything's pretty much the same. But, yeah, I think Leeds, they just move on from this. Um and they build, I think. I think the only thing we've heard negative news was Tyler Roberts, I think, um, tore something, tore like some in his hamstring. So he's going to be out for the rest of the season. So um, Dan James is going to have to put it in uh, overtime up at striker. So, um, but they still have Bamford. I think, yeah, Bamford was on the bench for this game. So there's positive signs going forward for them. And um, Leicester are just in that weird like purgatory in the middle of the table where they're a little bit too far away from pursuing um europe but they're also safe from relegation yep absolutely uh okay let us uh, move on to burnley chelsea uh wow what a snore for the first uh first 45 shit did not look good i had a really tough time believing in chelsea that they were going to be able to break burnley down as well as they did uh i said in in a group chat that burnley were playing a back nine uh and and they pretty much did uh that's just just how they play really um and and it's it's really it's tough to watch but chelsea uh, as well as they controlled the ball came out in the second half and just absolutely blitzed burnley reese james uh just dicing towards the right edge of the goal mouth finished one and then the game just really opened up burnley put their heads down uh, and Chelsea just absolutely battered them. A few minutes later in the 53rd, 53rd, Kai Havertz got on the end of one. In the 55th, he got on the end of another one. And then Christian Pulisic scored a big boy goal in the 69th minute. Nice. Uh, this was a really, really good performance. Second half performance from Chelsea. Uh, the things that I took away was that Reese James is, I mean, I said this earlier at the year that that he was he was unbelievable. Playing at this sort of of pace and being able to get up to where he is as a wingback uh, and also get back and defend and dispossess players in the midfield, I don't want to say, like, I hate to say people are generational, but, I mean, uh, like, if you ask me with a gun to my head if I'd rather have Reese James or TAA, I'm, I'm not sure who I would answer, honestly. I think Reese James has the same amount of talent, if not more, and that if he can stay healthy... He, he, he'll be the one of the most coveted right backs in the world. He's he's unbelievable. I I don't know how you feel about it as a Chelsea fan, but every time I watch him, even earlier on in the season before he got injured, I was like, this kid is so special. Yeah, he's one of the most influential guys in the squad, even after being out for a little bit of time. Um, he's got six goals and seven assists in all competitions there, um, from the right wing back position, which is. Yeah, like you said, Trent Trent numbers Just to like a degree. Trent, yeah. um, he's not going to be taking any free kicks, but he's still um, better attacking when it comes to shooting on goal and such. But um, you have to give Trent the edge when it comes to crosses. But Reese on the ball, going forward, taking guys on is always nice. Uh, and right from the second half, you saw he gets that goal, doing a little shimmy action. People are expecting a cross, and he lays one in their back post. Uh, and the floodgates open, like you said. So... Um, he makes a massive difference. A little questionable. Um, you were saying Saul at left wing back. Um, not sure about that. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Alonso. They brought back Kennedy from his loan in Brazil. I know he played out there for one or two games. Um, Maling Sar has played out there before. He's been a little sus um, at times in that position. So that, that position is wide open right now since Chilwell's been out. So I'd like to sort that position out if we could in the summertime because since Chilwell picked up a massive injury now, it's going to be tough for him to recover and get back to 100%. But um, I know we have Emerson also out on loan. He's at Lyon. Um, so he could be a nice backup there if we don't want Alonso. But I don't know. 
Um, it, it was lucky we played Burnley here, but going up against the big boys, we're going to have to solve that. And um, one more thing I'll say is I was surprised we didn't see Lukaku get in this game. We saw Werner come off the bench the last 10 to 15, and um, I thought Lukaku coming in this game at 4-0 would be able to get a goal too. But yeah, um, it seems like Tuchel's thinking more about the squad and being fair to everybody rather than um, playing the guys that they paid a massive m- amount of money for. So... Um, I can respect that, but also at the same time, it's like, um, I don't understand the point of bringing him in. Obviously, there's been many stories of fallout with his interview and um, with him and Tuchel Buttonheads and the style of play. And um, it's all it's all going to end badly, especially now with the new ownership, whoever that is coming in. I know there's been talks of um, the guy with like a big stake in the Dodgers. Yep. Um, I heard potentially the one of the Jets owners was looking at it. So it's a, everybody I hear is an awful, awful person to get it because <laughs> yes. they're all they're all programs, not programs. They're all organizations that aren't successful. Um, the Dodgers are okay, but they had yeah. rough years too. It's yeah, it's going to be tough because I don't want them. I don't want the club to turn into like a Crystal Palace, yep. like drop into that mid table kind of thing. Yeah, um, because I think. Chelsea fans the last millennium or this millennium are very spoiled to where um, they made the comparison. It was like everything before Abramovich, we had six trophies and everything after we've had 17. So, um, so we can be really spoiled here. And I think if, if the wrong ownership comes in, um, it could turn for the worst and I don't know what's going to happen. I know they've said the stadium um, is where it's located is, is it's poor when it comes to expansion. There's nothing where, it's not a top class stadium with facilities in that. It only holds a forty thousand some. Whereas you go to Old Trafford and, and Anfield and the uh, the Emirates hold sixty seventy thousand plus. So uh, they said you have to put in at least two billion dollars to improve that. Yep. So whoever comes in um, is going to have to invest a lot of money for it to to turn a profit um, over time. But also. You just want the the people to come in and understand the culture and where it's been, and they have to invest money into the squad if we want to be competitive and um, compete for all these trophies, which in the end give more TV money, revenue, and and tournament prize money as well. So I don't know. Um, I just want somebody that has an understanding of the the club, the the game in Europe and such. I don't want an American to come over and not know anything about it. Yeah, and and that is the case. Um, American American ownership right now is is probably the thing uh that we're going to start to see more of to be honest because of this entire thing with with russia and and it's curious because they don't call the billionaires in america oligarchs but let's be real you you don't get billions of dollars without stepping on people and there's a negative there's a negative connotation with that term oligarch um i guess rightfully so i don't know but uh you know all these american guys are going to come in and the thing is they don't they don't know, you know, all that much about the game, about the landscape, about any of it. And look at the American owners that are in the league. Um, FSG is is a group, so there are there are plenty of people who do understand the the game. But Stan Kroenke, owner of Arsenal, not great, not great all the time. Um, and I don't necessarily think that uh, Chelsea will get an American owner, but it does seem right, like right now. Uh, those are the sort of names that that are kind of be kind of that have been getting thrown around. So we'll have to see. Uh, I don't think the sale has gone as fast as Abramovich would have wanted, and you know he he wants to try and sell it asap so the sanctions can't land and and fuck everything up. But it's definitely we'll, gonna take a while. Yeah, it absolutely will. I, I mean, that's just that's the name of the game, you know, uh, negotiating a price and uh, getting through all of the paperwork, financials, etc. Of a four to five billion dollar asset with a million working parts i can't imagine what sort of uh headache that is but i don't even think it's i don't even they said like he's his asking price was three billion but i think he's looking at there realistically he's going to get around like 1.5 to 2 billion but i thought it was crazy because there were potential talks of the denver broncos and the nfl um looking to be sold and their valuation was at like four billion dollars or something i thought um how crazy it is a, a franchise that over the past five to six years that's been pretty irrelevant and is valued at that but um a top cl- uh, football club in england 
um, in the world even is only valued at like around two billion, if that. And so that's I, that's I just thought that was crazy how much money the NFL makes and how like it shows it's the biggest, most profitable um, organization in the world when it comes to sports. Yeah, and I'm I'm reading here that. Abramovich's initial asking price was four billion dollars, but the numbers and the that first figure you said one and a half was what I saw originally. But I think that's what people are offering. That first yeah. bid that came in was one and a half billion, and he's asking for four. So there's quite a quite a bit of room in between those two numbers. So the whole thing, you know, how it pans out, uh, I think will be fascinating from a, a sporting perspective. Uh, and you know, from the outside looking in, it's it's okay to look at that. But I'm sure as a Chelsea fan, and you know, I know you're a Chelsea fan, but I think of people that have been Chelsea fans for the past you know, 30, 40 years and have experienced this golden age or renaissance, whatever you want to call it, under Abramovich with five league titles and two Champions League within just the last decade. Uh, it's it's got to be it's got to be tough to, uh, to see that that guy walk out. OK, let's move on. We have Aston Villa for Southampton nil uh, Aston Villa put the absolute battering on Southampton, who I Thought maybe he could stay in this one. Ollie Watkins is back in form. He had one in the ninth minute. Douglas Luiz in the 44th. The Brazilian magician Felipe Coutinho in the 52nd. And then Danny Ings in the 54th. So uh, three goals in the span of 10 minutes. They got two in the first half, two in the second half. Aston Villa dominated this game. Not in terms of possession, but in terms of chances and conversion. They were all over it. I thought Coutinho could have had two or three in this game minimum. He looks great since he's come in. Uh, in terms of statistics, we had Aston Villa with 14 shots, nine of those on target. Uh, Southampton, just 11 shots and one on target. They just couldn't get anything going here, and uh, they lined up pretty much the same way that they always do, but the boys were not up to it on this occasion. Yeah, they finally put Coutinho right in that attack in mid-roll behind the strikers, and you saw the the amount of chances he was creating from that position, feeding Watkins and Ings and both of them scoring, and also himself, which was great to see. Villa's been struggling to score as of lately, but uh, we were saying last week with Southampton in good form, we're like, sooner or later, they're going to get a reality check where they get a thumping, and we weren't sure if, if this was the one, but it turned out it was, um, unfortunately for them. But yeah, you they they come out in that four four two and they dominated possession as they most of the time they do. But when it came to shot creation, it just wasn't there. The structure uh, in front of the back line for Villa was there. Martinez didn't really have to do too much, um, and the counterattack was there most of the time for Villa, um, which was how they set up here. But yeah, I think great result for Villa. It, it helps them in the table. They're in like they're in a four way tie for tenth right now. Um, on 33 points with Leicester, Brighton, and Crystal Palace. So, um, and they also have two games in hand on Palace above them. So, um, they're in the fight to finish in like that top 10 if they play their cards right. Um, they got a good game coming up now um, tomorrow against Leeds, which is a winnable game for them, but um, should be tough under um, Jesse Marsh's new tactics and such. But yeah, going forward, both of these teams um, in that mid table. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's move on. Norwich City 1, Brentford 3. A fantastic effort from Ivan Tony and the Bees. Had Brentford ahead relatively early. Uh, Ivan Tony scored in the 32nd and then scored two penalties. Added one in the 52nd and one in the 58th. Uh, Norwich had a couple of chances here. Couldn't really get anything to go until the 92nd when Timu Puki got a... Uh, consolation goal, but I thought Brentford put away the chances they needed to put away. Uh, two penalties, you know, it's it's sometimes just the way things go. Uh, a little bit of a cheap hat trick for for Tony here, but a really good performance in general. Brentford looked better when he's on the pitch. I thought Erickson actually looked good in this game. It's nice to see him on the pitch in general, but he actually contributed here. I, I thought that he looked uh, pretty solid. In terms of stats, we had uh, Norwich with 15 shots, 7 on target. They also controlled 60% of the possession uh, next to uh, Brentford, who had 10 shots and 6 of those on target. Brentford now with uh, just 4 points out of their possible last 15. Norwich with 1 out of their last possible 15. Norwich now uh, 5 points from safety. 
in 20th place, the very last, I think we'll be seeing them go down. Yeah, and all the teams above them, uh, Everton's got two games in hand on them, and they're already five points above them, but um, you never know. You, you honestly never know. There's 11 games, there's a lot of games to play, and especially when the everybody down there is so close together, but I thought you take those penalties away for those bad decisions by the Norwich players. Um, this game is a tight one. Uh, you mentioned Norwich had more possession. It seemed like they they thought they could challenge them more here um, with possession and play more more of a watchable style of football, um, and it worked out for them. But not, uh, not until the dead the dead last minute of the game with Pookie in that ninety second. So. Um, I thought it was funny as well. Erickson um, pulling down Brandon Williams, and Brandon Williams was about to beat the shit out of him, but then yeah. he realized who it was. I thought that was hilarious. But yeah, I mean, I can't really say too much about this game. It played like a championship-esque game. Um, and at the end of the day, I think we both could agree the better team won. It just came down to mental toughness, and um, Norwich making silly mistakes in the back cost them once again. So. Nice little hat trick for Tooney. He's honestly needed it. I don't think he's scored. He's scored in the last like nine games, if I could guess. But um, yeah, I think this is a win that Brentford's really needed for a long time. Probably their first win since like December or January. Yeah, they absolutely needed this, and um, you know they're sitting in fifteenth now, just a point behind Newcastle, who are surging. Uh, Newcastle do have a couple a uh, couple games in hand or versus the teams that are around them. So we'll see how pan thing, things pan out, but uh, a really good result for Brentford at, at their current state. Uh, okay, Newcastle 2, Brighton 1. This is one of the, the games that Matt, Matt kind of talked about at the beginning here where tide shifted after halftime. However, Newcastle opened this game up really, really sharp. Ryan Fraser, man, he's so tiny. He's he's just such a little guy. Uh, scored in the 12th minute. Fabian Schaar added one in the 14th. Uh, Brighton with just one goal. Lewis Dunk in the 55th. But uh, this game is really kind of went exactly how Matt described it. You know, shit kind of switched paces uh, once the halftime whistle blew. Brighton came out. They looked better. They controlled the game. Uh, 15 shots for Brighton versus Newcastle 10. Both teams had four shots on target, but Brighton did have 68% of the possession. They passed the ball much better. Uh, 634 passes to Newcastle's 304. And Newcastle really were... I think it's impressive that they were able to to kind of hold the line here and make sure that, that Brighton weren't able to to get in and, and take a point from this game. And when you're in a, a position like Newcastle is in right now, that's the sort of football that you have to play. Uh, Eddie Howe, I mean, people got to be applauding this guy. He's absolutely, I don't know if it's just him, but it seems like the team has turned around since he's got in there. Uh, they, they look great. You know, they have, I think four wins in their last five games. It's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, they're surging, you know, level on points with Leicester city palace and Villa at this point, you know, they're a game out of, out of 10th place, believe it or not. Yeah, they're second in the league in the last six games when it comes to form. Five wins and a draw, only behind Liverpool. Yeah. I think even before that, they have another win there. So yeah. um, one of the best teams right now in the, the current year. I think them and Liverpool also are the only teams that haven't uh, had a defeat in the Premier League since the turn of the new year. So they're all but guaranteed safety. I think one more win pretty much solidifies that um, over the next 12 games they have. So it's pretty much a lock. And... Um, yeah, I think Newcastle very fortunate to get that early start. Um, Fraser on the counterattack and then share off a set piece. But Brighton just did what they normally do. They they handled the ball well. They swing it around and eventually they got the goal they were deserved. Very, very close at the end off the line. But um, the gods favored Newcastle here at the end of the day. So um, we did see a substitution with St. Max. So he's getting minutes back in there, which is something they've needed a while. But Maybe not even because they're getting the job done with their with their backup guys, the squad depth players. So um, it's tough for for Bruno uh, Guimaraes to get in the side with that middle three all playing so well. I think one of the most improved players in the overall league is Jolington. Um, the position change he made from striker to center mid, he's become a whole new player. Um, and it shows in his attitude and how he plays. He's a, he busts up the middle of the park with some tough challenges and um, clears it away for the counterattack a lot. So 
Um, I was listening to like a podcast, True Jordy, with like uh, he had Kieran Trippier on there. So I was listening to a lot of what they were talking about with the team. And he mentioned Eddie Howe will eventually be a top manager. And when he had was at doing time in um, Atletico, um, Howe and the Joe, what's it, Tyndall, the assistant, both came and watched him train and went to a bunch of other clubs. So he's a very, he's always wants, he always wants to learn and learn new styles of play and i think going to other countries expands your knowledge of the game and maybe it gives you a different perspective on things so um it's nice to see that um newcastle's is newcastle is having the success they are with the new ownership and um it's going to make things very exciting for them come the summer with what they can do with that transfer budget yeah for sure uh okay See what we got here. I'm sure they'll be making some some really really big moves. I'm I'm waiting for the waves they make this summer. Wolves versus Palace up next. My second team, Crystal Palace, opening the game up early behind a Jean Philippe Mateta goal in the 19th minute. Wolf Zaha added one in the 34th, and Palace really just kind of run away with this one. Um, they let Wolves possess the game. After they got those two pretty early goals, there was not really much they needed to do to to step out and get out of position. Um, Jeffrey Schlupp was was fouled early, and that's when when Zaha got that goal. I think Schlupp's looked really actually good uh, going forward. Connor Gallagher's continued to uh, do a job in there, although he's not been scoring as much. But you know, my guys, Mateta, Zaha, and and Alise uh, continue to be really really impressive. Palace in great shape right now. Uh, just probably going to hold their spot in the table, but Wolves now three losses uh, on the bounce. Not a, not a good result for them whatsoever, and they just couldn't get anything going. They couldn't convert any of their chances. They did have five shots on target, and like I said, 65% of the possession, uh, but couldn't get the game to, to fall or come back to them whatsoever. So a really good result for, for Pat Vieira and his boys. Uh, it's It's great to see, man. I really like to see Palace uh, perform. Yeah, I was surprised by this result. Uh, I thought Wolves would have a bounce back game here, but that Mateta goal at the start was so scuffed. Yeah, it was. It was. Like, I don't understand what happened. Nice to see Wilf get on the score sheet again. It's quiet. Um, they got nine goals this season. I know. It's that's right up there for yep. the. He's top ten right now. They're tied yep. with with Smith Rowe and Rafinha. So yep. It's you, you don't really think about it with um, this many games left. He could definitely get another three or four easily. So. Yeah, Wolves, I don't know, man. Uh, ever since people started saying, oh, Wolves is sneaking up there, they, yeah. then they just got absolutely crushed. Yeah, I was tired um, of it, and thank God. I don't think I have to hear it anymore. Now that they've given up um, they've given up six goals in their... What is that? Hold on. Yeah, they've given up six goals in their last four games, where before they gave up only five and 12. So wow. defensively, something's going wrong right now. Um, I don't know what it is, but um, maybe it's just... They're not meant to finish in that top six. There's just something like an invisible invisible wall that they just can't get past. Um, they still have a nice gap between eighth to ninth and five points with Southampton. So Yeah. But it's vice versa there. They're five points behind Tottenham now from seventh to eighth, and Tottenham have two uh one game in hand on them. But um we've seen recently Tottenham don't use those games wisely in hand. <laughs> sure. So that might not mean anything, but yeah, they're just in a really weird spot. They already they've have eleven losses right now, which is the most in the top ten. So something's not going right for them right now. I don't know what it is, but um, they need to solve it soon. Especially going up against teams in the bottom ten. They they play Everton this week, so I think this is a result that they they've um oh they play tomorrow too against Watford. So they yeah. get two game they get two games against um, relegation battle teams. So if they can't if they can't get at least four points from that, they got um some questions. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think the the problem with Wolves, it kind of comes down to one thing, and it's the fact that they really don't score. Um, yeah. They just, every once in a while, you'll, you'll have a game where, where they, they kind of go out and blow the doors off, but it's, it's not, it's not common. And they have enough guys, I think, uh, some really talented players, but they, they don't always go out there and do it. So that's it's one of those things. I think Neto signed a new contract. I saw that yesterday. Um, and uh, I think Huang Hee Chan is, is a fantastic player. I think Jimenez, uh, that experiment's probably over at this point. You know, we've said uh, Jimenez has CTE. And 
you know, we say, I say, I say that now and then tomorrow he'll score three goals because that's, that's how it is. But, um, you know, Wolves just don't score enough to, to be a top eight team. They're, they're not going to compete in the Europa league. It's just, they don't have the firepower. That's what it comes down to. They play really well as a unit. They play really well defensively. Um, but when it comes to, to scoring, it's, it's just not good enough. Uh, so let's move on. We have Liverpool 1, West Ham nil. A shaky win for Liverpool behind a Sadio Mane goal in the 27th minute. Liverpool had a ton of chances here, but I'd say West Ham probably could have taken a point from this one pretty easily. Uh, Liverpool just had a, a couple of, of weird things happen in the box. There was a goal line clearance. There was a chance where Lanzini just scooped the ball over the bar like Kepa. Uh, that, that was not great. I think West Ham really should have taken a point here, but Liverpool did look good when they were on the front foot. 22 shots, five of those on target with 70% possession. West Ham had five shots on target on 13 shots. So West Ham now moved to sixth place. Arsenal leapfrogged them with their win uh, this week. Arsenal does have three games in hand as well. Uh, West Ham now just six, no, eight points out of their last 15 I'd say they're in a slump, but uh, Liverpool continue to be extremely impressive. They How many wins in a row do they have? Nine? It's, it's something extreme. What's that, Liverpool? Yeah. Um, Probably more than nine. They currently have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven in a row in the league. Seven in a row, okay. But in all competitions, they have... Um, 12. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, Liverpool are absolutely unstoppable right now. But, but they did just lose against Inter yesterday in the Champions League, but it didn't matter because they're already through to the next round. Yep. So, on aggregate. So, and that was, I think that's the first time they lost at Anfield for like a year and a half now. That's crazy. And I think you're going to see, I mean, I we watched it, or I don't know if you watched, but I watched a game yesterday. I think Salah needs a rest. I think he'll probably get a rest. Um, and the thing about Liverpool is they just have so much depth that it, you know, missing him is is obviously important because he's he's your talisman for the most part. But they have so much talent in, in other parts of the pitch that they could slot a Divac Origi in, they could slot Minamino in, they could move Mane to the right, they could move Diaz to the right. Who like it doesn't even matter. Or Firmino. Like they have so many options. So uh Salah probably needs a rest and he probably will get one but a good result for Liverpool here. Uh, they did lose three two, I believe. Um yeah earlier this year when they were away to West Ham. So a good revenge fixture, a good three points, and I'm sure, you know, Bop will uh, will happily take it. Yeah, and I will say, I think this is my first um, W picking a West Ham game in, probably three, three, in uh, like three months. So um, happy there. The curse is broken a little bit. Still 6-22, and 22, which is nothing to gloat about, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I think Luis Diaz in his six, seven games he's played already has made a massive impact. He brings in fresh energy and a, a new type of style that, that um, maybe Jota and Firmino can't produce. But he has some wheels on him, man. He When he gets that ball, he's just driving at you, and he's not afraid to make a mistake. And he's just so exciting to watch. It's kind of like watching St. Max a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think the, the number one thing that what West Ham's or that went against West Ham was not having Declan Rice. Um, he was sick, so he couldn't play, and he's a massive part in that midfield for them when it comes to controlling the tempo of the game and having that defensive structure. So I think not having him ultimately made them lose. But, yeah, I think a 1-0 squeaky win for Liverpool as a result. That can go a long way, especially with Man City right there in um, reaching distance. Yeah, for sure. Uh, alrighty, what do we have next? I think we're coming towards the end of these games. Oh, this one. This was a scary one. Arsenal 3, Watford 2. Despite Watford getting the ball in the net almost instantaneously and getting it called back, Arsenal get away with all three points behind an absolutely unbelievable performance from some of their young players. Martin Martin Odegaard in the 5th, Bukayo Saka in the 30th, and Gabriel Martinelli in the 52nd. Uh, in between those, there was a goal by Kucha Hernandez, an absolutely unbelievable over-the-head kick uh, that made its way into the right side of the net. That was a fantastic goal. Well worked. A little bit sloppy out on the wing, but managed to get the ball in. Uh, 
Uh, Kucha Hernandez out towards the edge of the left side of the six, converted uh, with an absolutely sublime strike. But uh, the Arsenal goals were were also really, really solid. Odegaard's goal was great, well worked out on the side. Saka, his goal was unbelievable as well. And then Martinelli uh, topping it off with an absolute cracker from uh, the edge of the 18. This Arsenal team is so fucking fun to watch. Um, you know, they, they still toy with me sometimes. They still scare me. And defensively, uh, I just, I do have confidence in them defensively, but they let stupid goals go through. Like that Sissoko goal was, was just dumb. It was a mistake. It was a slip up. And then the Hernandez goal, really, that ball should have been dispossessed out on the right edge of the 18. Uh, the ball should have never come in. The guy was just toying with it out on the edge. I don't even remember who it was. Uh, it was probably, um, who got the assist for that goal? Do you remember? Which one was that? The first goal, the Kucha Hernandez for Watford. Uh, Kiko Femi, the he, right back. Yeah, and it, he should have been dispossessed like one or two or three times. It was bad. It was just a poor effort out on the, the right there. But um, despite that, you know, Arsenal get all three points. They score when they have to. A very clever uh, bit of play from, from uh, Arteta on the sideline getting the ball. Uh, and having it thrown in, he grabbed it really quick. That's really what what allowed us to score that third goal. But I, I was, you know, talking to my brother who who doesn't watch as much as he used to. Um, but he's like, all the goals that Arsenal scored were just so beautiful. And that takes me back to a time when Arsenal played really pretty attacking football. And I think we're there again. Um, we finally have that talent, and it's just it's so entertaining to watch. And I, like I. It, it kind of makes me question, like, where do I stand with Arteta? Because he has, he's changed things. I think I have to give him credit. Yeah, you definitely should. Um, I don't think we've seen Arsenal um, in this position of the no, table with this many games in hand for a while there. I mean, Arsenal's probably in the best position right now, maybe bar the top two um, when it comes to just having momentum and um being able to have like a cushion. I mean, they, if they win their game in hand, they're only two points behind Chelsea in third. So, I mean, they're they're right there, and they have some tough matchups still against teams around them. They still have to play um, all all three teams below them in Man United, West Ham, and Tottenham. Uh-huh. So, I think if they could get six points just from those games, they pretty much solidify themselves top four. Um, but I mean, most of their games left are bottom ten bottom 10 uh opposition so um just put take it one game at a time they need to make sure they clean up these mistakes because i was thinking if any other team was in watford's position here i think arsenal dropped points um especially at the end there watford could have gotten something but um arsenal held on till the end barely so i don't know it's just there's things that they need to clean up there defensively still um but I thought Lacazette was was the unsung hero. This yep. guy, anytime he gets the ball, he's always facilitating to the younger guys behind him, um, and he's a good mentor for them with the armband now. So he's not looking to he's not looking to be the the guy at the top or or um, steal all the all the shots and whatnot. He's always looking to facilitate and um, produce for these younger guys who uh, maybe under Aubameyang didn't have the same freedom. Um, they would have liked to have playing. Maybe Aubameyang was more selfish in front of the goal where, like I said, Lacazette's more of a distributor and he'll take his chances when he gets them. But if he sees a, a somebody in a better position, he'll most likely give it to them. So I think overall that Arsenal's just in a, in a nice position, whereas Watford, they just can't get anything right. I think Roy Hodgson is getting a couple good results here and there, that win against Villa and a, a draw against United. Um they, they there are there are glimpses of them having a chance, but um, it's turning to a time where they need to turn these draws into wins if they really want to make up some ground. So um, I don't know when it's going to come. We I know it's possible they get a cheeky win against Villa there in the past, and like I said, like um, they've stolen four points off of United, so it is possible. But I don't know how likely it is under um, Roy Hodgson, the Owl. Yeah, for sure. The Owl. I love that nickname. Uh, okay, Manchester City 4, Manchester United 1. V- 
Vintage United. I thought for a second maybe this game would be a, a really um, kind of solid performance from United after that Sancho goal especially. Uh, but City just absolutely blew them out of the water. Uh, we do have a record in the past couple of years of the Derbys being good matches. Uh, but this is really a sign of where United are at as a club right now. It should be noted that Cristiano Ronaldo was not even in the team for this game. There is speculation that he was uh, kind of just dropped or he decided that he didn't want to play and he let Ralph know that. There's some some stuff that went down on social media where his sister was liking rumors and things like that. You know, it can get messy, but... Uh, I would say it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever uh, if Ronaldo just decided that he didn't want to play. I know he's not necessarily happy with what's been going on there right now, so it makes sense. But let's get into the game itself. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne opened the scoring in the fifth minute. Jaden Sancho hit an absolutely lovely curler into the right side of the net in the 22nd to draw United level, but then City turned the burners on. Another KDB goal in the 28th, followed by a brace from Riyad Mahrez, one in the 68th and one in the 91st. Finished the game at 4-1 in favor of the blue side. This was a battering. I mean, if you look at the stats, it tells the entire story. 24 shots versus United's 5, 10 shots on target versus United's 2, and 70% possession for City. They knocked the ball around at will. They were just all over the place. The right side of the pitch was absolutely fucking bumping the whole game. KDB with two, Mares with two. They played, you know, right in front and in back of each other. Foden looked great in the false nine role. Uh, they are going to bring in Julian Alvarez. It looks like I just saw some quotes from from Pep actually right before the show. So uh, I thought that was uh, good to see. And then Jack Grealish, he's looked okay the past couple fixtures. Past couple times I've seen him play, he's looked better. He's looked more lively. Looks like he wants to get into the game. Um, but on the United end here, I mean, Bruno Fernandez playing striker. They just don't have a true striker right now besides Ronaldo. And stuff's going on with him. So I don't know what you can expect out of this United team really uh, going up against, you know, the perennial powerhouse that, that Manchester City has become. I think last week he summed it up well when previewing the game. He, he said it would be... Uh, a very close game at the start, highly contested, but ultimately Man City would wear United out, and that's pretty much how it went. Um, Riyad Mahrez off the um, off that right is just something that nobody can stop. Yep. Um, he he probably scored the best set piece goal I've seen this year. Um, that was crazy. Cancelo had a moment there where Cross came in, he did a a, a scissor kick and almost scored in bottom right. I yeah. mean. It seemed like they were just having fun. It was like playing FIFA against um, your little brother, who's who doesn't play that much. They're just absolutely pummeling them um, and trying to to just um, put make a highlight reel together at times. So I mean, yeah, ultimately Man City get a big win in a rivalry that's kind of been one one sided as of lately when it comes to style of play and possession and such. But. Um, yeah, I mean, Man United, I think it ultimately comes down from what they did in the summer when it comes to business. They bring guys in that may sell shirts and make headlines, but when they come in, they don't have a very given, they don't have a given role. Like they, they just come in and, slay, and they play as individuals on the field. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Um, whereas when Man City makes a signing, they have a given role and the player knows what their job is, and Pep makes it very clear to them what is expected of them on the field. So I think that's just the difference. The the backroom staff, the executives making decisions. Um, maybe they have business people making soccer decisions and vice versa. And I think ultimately they need to clean that up. So it's a it's a massive project. Um, Man U sees themselves maybe still as that team that was maybe 10 years ago under Sir Alex, but... It doesn't matter who you are. Um, every great run has to end at some point, and you need to rebuild, whether you're a Liverpool, Man City, um, or like a Tottenham or Arsenal. We, we've seen in the past Arsenal and Man U were the big two for a long time, and now Liverpool's made a resurgence under Klopp, and Man City's made a resurgence under Pep. Um, obviously, money helps as well, but if you bring in the right people to do their job, they'll... They'll help you build and become a maybe a dynasty. So I think that's just something they need to understand in their philosophy. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. 
Okay, let's move on. Uh, that was, I mean, it was really battering. And this next one was too. Tottenham 5, Everton nil. Tottenham, I mean, wow. But this was, this is how it's been going. It's one on, one off, one on, one off. And, and that's what happened here. Michael Caine scored an own goal in the 14th minute to uh, ensure that Tottenham went ahead. Wangman Son in the 17th. Harry Kane in the 37th and the 55th. And then... Sergio Reguilón had one in the 46th as well. This was just an absolute clobbering. Frank's boys not up to the task whatsoever. Uh, 14 shots on target for Spurs, or 14 shots, seven of those on target with 55% possession. Uh, Everton knocked the ball around relatively well, but just couldn't get anything going in an offensive sense. DCL lined up uh, up top, got subbed off. Gordon Ducore and Richarlison were behind him. I was kind of surprised to not see Ducore uh, back next to Allen. I thought maybe that's where he would be instead. And then Van de Beek actually played kind of in like a holding mid role, which was a little bit strange to me. But Everton are, are in a really bad way here. Uh, I was expecting a Tottenham win, but I didn't necessarily think it would be 5 0. What, what do you think about this one? Because it was, it was a tough watch. I mean, when it comes to manager bounce backs, Everton haven't found that whatsoever. Frank's only won one game in the five he's managed here. Um, and even in all their losses, they're getting slapped up. It's not like it's anything close like this game. But it's, I don't know, it's turning out <clears throat> that maybe Frank isn't the guy to get them out of this duct. He's not experienced in a relegation battle. We've seen him with Derby pushing for promotion to the Premier League. We've seen him with Chelsea competing for the top four and also in the Champions League. Um, this is something that I don't think he has any experience in now. And it doesn't help because they, I think I've said last week and the week before, they they have the hardest schedule, I think, out of every team left. Um, they're playing mostly top 10 teams. And it's very tough for them to get any sort of confidence going because of results like this. And I think this match will serve as a turning point for them, whether it's for the better or worst. Um, this is the game they build from. So they have the most games left to play alongside Arsenal and Leicester. They have 13 games left. Um, we'll see what they do, but I don't think they're going to lose another game like this. I think they should, they'll structurally change things a little bit. And I don't think it, it did not help because the first two goals were were um, defensive mistakes. Michael Keane, the own goal, and Son's goal. It was right in Pickford's reach, and it just slipped through. So I think that they need to clean up their first half. They can't give up three goals in the first half. You're never going to come back and win that. Nope. So um, they, need, they need to clean up these starts to the game to really give them some confidence going into halftime, whether it's they're down 1-0 or maybe they're up or drawing. So... I think if they start from there, they build from it and um, move on to the next game. Um, they're not getting any better, like I said. Um, I think they only have two games where they're playing teams relatively around them. They play Newcastle in um, the next week or so. And I think they also play um, Watford or something. I'm looking here. Crystal Palace is the only other team they play. Um Oh, they got Watford too. So they have like three games that are must-win games. Every other game is very, very um, heavily against them. So they still got to play Chelsea, Arsenal, United, West Ham. They play Wolves this week. I mean, I don't know. It's not looking good for them, realistically. I don't know what else to say. I just, I don't know if Frank's going to be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, when he signed on, he had a, a relatively, not relatively, an extremely tall task. Everton were in the mud and uh, they, they're still in the mud. It, it's going to be a battle. It really is going to be a battle because Burnley, um, that we know they're capable of at least stringing together a couple of draws and they defend pretty well. Everton right now, not, not necessarily doing anything well whatsoever. So they need to figure something out because they're going to be battling until the very last breath if they can't. All right, let's move on. That is the uh, recap portion of the show. We're going to move into match day 19, 20, 21, and 30. Some makeup games. And then 29. Uh, we have a, quite a few games here to give you guys. Starting off tomorrow, uh, like I said, 19, 20, 21, and 30 are all tomorrow uh, around 
three of the games at 2.30 and one at 2.45. So uh, we have Wolves taking on Watford. First, I think this is an opportunity for Wolves to get themselves back to where they need to be. I just don't think Watford are a team who can uh, break down Wolves. I don't think they they have enough there. So I'm going to go with Wolves. Uh, I think they take all three in that one. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Wolves win it as well. I just don't see Watford being able to break down one of the one of the best defensive teams. Maybe something will be different this time with the form Wolves are in, but I think the I think obviously the possession is going to be heavily in Wolves' favor. I can definitely see a early goal for Watford, um, but I think Wolves can get something out of this game with a three points. For sure. Okay, we'll move on. Leeds United versus Aston Villa up next. I am going to ride with the villains. I think they win this game. Uh, something deep inside of me is telling draw, uh, but I think I'm going to go with the trend. I'm going to take Villa to perform here. I think they score a few goals, and I think uh, they just steal three points here. Um, With the form Villa's in right now, I could definitely see that. The, yeah. the, the strikers and Coutinho are are in flying form and they've yep. they've great created a bond there up front but i think Leeds having more time now in the training ground and getting more involved with jesse marsh might help um we should see bamford get some minutes in this game i'd like to believe um i don't know if he'll start but he'll definitely come off the bench so i think i think this will be a tightly contested game um and I think I'm going to give Marsh the benefit of the doubt here. I'm going to go with Leeds getting a big win for themselves. All right. Um, and it could it can push them up the table away from that drop zone. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, Southampton versus Newcastle up next. This is going to be a really interesting watch, I think. I'm going to ride with Newcastle. They've been doing pretty well for me the past couple weeks. Uh, so I'm going to take them again and, and hope that they can get one here. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with a draw here. I think I think Southampton's going to control the ball well as they normally do, but I think they just need to take notes from last week's game against um, Villa, and it's going to go pretty much the same. Where Newcastle are going to try to counter them on the break. So I think if if um, Ralph can go through training and and clean up things on the counters and just take care of the ball better, I think they'll ultimately have the upper hand here. So I think it's going to go in in the uh, uh, draw. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Norwich City versus Chelsea. That's the uh, final and maybe probably going to be the most entertaining watch because I'm expecting a battering. Uh, I'm going to take Chelsea in this one. I don't care what's going on on the club side. I think that Chelsea are playing football right now. Uh, it's nice to see Pulisic in the first team in his natural position, and I think that uh, that's actually been making a difference. So I'm going to take Chelsea here, and as a flyer, I, I actually like uh, him to score a goal as well. Yeah, I think Alonzo might be back here. I think that I'm looking here, he returned. He's returning from COVID, so right. um, maybe he was asymptomatic. But bad news, Reese James picked up a little bit of a new injury against um, Burnley, so he won't be available. So we're going back with Cesar there maybe, or if he wants to throw Hudson and out there. But yeah, I think uh, ultimately Chelsea will get the win here. I think Norwich got too many issues there at the back, and... I mean, these guys played back in October, and it ended 7-0. So um, if it could go something like that, I'll be happy. Uh, maybe Lukaku can actually start here. Um, but if I had to guess, he's probably going to go with Havertz again. Okay. Uh, Brighton versus Liverpool up next. This game's on Saturday. We're starting the Saturday-Sunday games here. Uh, Brighton-Liverpool, I'm taking Liverpool. I don't really think we need any explanation other than I hate Brighton, and Liverpool have won their last seven in a row in the league yeah these guys drawed back in um 2021 uh 2-2 we had a hendo mane goals and then mwepu and trissard for yeah brighton um i think with diaz there it's a new story um maybe we do see Salah get a rest like you mentioned earlier and they'll they still have a potent attack there between um, the seven guys they have up there. I mean, you can name probably 12 of their guys and it wouldn't matter. So I, I'm going to go with Liverpool here. Um, Brighton are terrible when they play at home. So I'm going to go with Liverpool. All right. Brentford Birdley up next. Sorry, I'm yawning. I don't know why. Um, it's because of this game. 
This is going to be a snore. I'm taking a draw on this one. I just don't like either team's ability to to break down defenses. Burnley, we know, struggled to do so. You know, maybe maybe Weghorst gets loose, but I think uh, on the other side, Tony has the exact same uh, option to get loose if he wants. So I can see this being a nil-nil, 1-1. I think it's going to be low scoring, but I do like it to end in a draw. Um... It's going to be a very ugly game. Yes, it is. Um, I'm going to give the edge to Burnley, I think, also because it's going to put even more pressure on Everton with their result. Um, I think Burnley wins this game. It drops Everton in the bottom three, and then we're going to really see who Everton are. Um, Burnley are very experienced in this area of the table when it comes down to it. So I'm going to give Burnley the benefit here. I don't think Brentford gets a... Another result like they did against Norwich. Burnley is a much more structured team and have an identity that they that they know and play week in and week out. So I'm going to go with Veg Horse. All right, cool. Big Wout. Vout, they call him, I think. Um, oh, this is a weird one from last year. Manchester United versus Tottenham. Uh... I'm gonna I'm gonna take Spurs. I'm gonna take United. I think um, one on one off. Tottenham coming off an unbelievable performance against Everton, in which I think they looked way better than they are. Uh, so I'm gonna take United in this one. And I know a couple of Spurs guys, and they seem to be following the one on one off uh, model as well. So I'm gonna go with them, and I'm actually gonna take United and bet against their team. All right. Uh, okay, what do we have next? Ah, Chelsea-Newcastle. So, Chelsea and Newcastle both just going to be getting uh, a couple days of rest. Three days of rest, I think. This game's on Sunday, so... This could be an entertaining watch, but I'm going to give the edge to Chelsea. Uh, I just don't want to overthink it. Newcastle are due for a loss eventually, and I think Chelsea are, are probably the club that, that are going to have their number the best. Yeah, usually these games are pretty one-sided, but um, with Reese James picking up a knock, I think the wing-back position is going to be one that we maybe not utilize to the best of our abilities. Um, it's ultimately going to come down to that front three. And Newcastle's back four has looked very good as of lately, but they haven't been playing top, top competition um, their last few weeks, bar maybe that West Ham game. Um, even so, West Ham isn't, hasn't been in the best form either. So, weirdly enough, I can see Newcastle get a draw out of this, but um, I'm going to have to back Chelsea still. Okay, cool enough. Uh, Leeds United versus Norwich City up next. This is the one where I'm going to take Leeds to win. I think Leeds are uh, going to be in better shape. I think that, you know, depending on how they play uh, against Villa, they could take some serious confidence into this game, especially if they win. So I'm going to take Leeds over Norwich in this one. Uh, this seems like a down bad game for Marsh um, to me. I don't know why, but... I think I'm going to take a draw. I think Norwich can't lose the rest of their games, and this is a match that that Dean Smith is going to have circled on the calendar for the next week. Um, they need three points bad, but I think a draw is due. Okay. Cool. Everton Wolves up next. Uh, I don't know. I feel like we're so deep down the rabbit hole right now in games. Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Everton. Yeah, I was gonna do the same thing. I'll take a draw in this one. I'll take a draw, and I can't give you the reasoning because I, I really don't have it. I just don't want to pick Wolves because I feel like I'm just not high on them right now. Yeah. Okay, West Ham versus Villa. I'm taking West Ham in that one. Doesn't matter what I say. I'm just gonna go with Villa. <laughs> okay. Southampton versus Watford up next. Uh gonna take Southampton in that one. I like like a two nil victory in that. Yeah, I th- I mean I could definitely see this game go similar to how Villa played yeah, Southampton. Sure. Um but I just think the 
defensively, they're going to have too many issues. So I'm going to go with the Saints. All right, cool. Uh, Arsenal versus Leicester City. Arsenal notoriously famous for having Leicester's number. I'm going to take Arsenal in this one. I think that they, they're going to beat the fuck out of them. I don't know. They're they're definitely due some point to lose. Yeah, no, they they definitely are. I could see it, but they've just they've been on one the last eight weeks, and I just don't think Leicester are that good. And I think they're like defensively still really depleted. That's all. Arsenal have have want have in their last what is that their last 10 they have eight wins one draw and one defeat yep. and that defeats against man city, city yeah so should have been a draw too i think it will be a draw okay so, that's fair go. yeah all right and then we have palace versus city as the last game of the week redemption game for man city this is yeah. only only one of one of two teams that beaten them And Laporte did get a red card here at the start of the second half, so it changed the tide of the game. But, yeah, I think I'm going to go with City. Yeah, this is tough because I think Palace do have a lot of firepower. I just think City have, have triple the firepower. Um, so I'm I'm going to take City as well. I'll be rooting for Palace, but I think the smart pick is, is City for sure. And uh, that's everything, guys. We just gave you, you know, 8, 9, 10, 12 games worth of predictions and uh, I think just uh, about 10 games of recap. So it's a nice, decent uh, length episode for you, just about an hour. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and you can find the show anywhere you can find podcasts, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast and Spotify. Yep, that's the one. Uh, (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it very much. Make sure uh, you take care. Uh, I'm going on vacation next week, so we're going to figure out how we're going to do the show. You may hear my voice. You may not. We'll see. Um, But until then, I hope you guys take care, and uh, we'll see you then.